seated. Church, we are really blessed to have um, Pastor Andrew coming to launch our series in Genesis in the beginning. I'd love it if you could make Andrew feel really, really welcome as he comes to share with us now. Very good. Thanks, Nathan. And I just wanted to assure you before I started that I'm actually one of the young pastors and I'm not gonna go on and on and on. So you're okay there before I start here. Um, as Nathan said, this, uh, we're really launching this series in Genesis, the first chapters in Genesis, um, in the beginning. Nathan did an intro last week, and wasn't it incredible for those that were here to see creation? I tell you, like the universe, the, the greatness of the universe. Um, had pictures of the new Webb telescope, and as you understood that and looked at some of the statistics, you just realised how great the universe is, but... Um, how great God is. And not just the size of it, but the complexity also. That it couldn't just be an accident, that the gravitational pull and the size of the planets, all the way down to Nathan shared about the molecule of water and why it doesn't freeze. I mean, incredible, incredible. Uh, Couldn't just be an accident, but uh, a creator putting all of this together. And for those that were around on Tuesday night to hear Professor Tom Woodward, he shared about the cell, the building block of life, the tiny cell, and the complexity of a single cell. That there is so many different moving parts with specific jobs and roles interconnecting and moving to just in, in one single cell. The DNA of um, within a cell Um, The coding that happens in that DNA, Bill Gates has said, is far more complex than any coding that um, Microsoft have ever written. I mean, if if you see code written, you realise there's a programmer. You're like, I wonder who wrote that code. Well, I'm telling you, you know, we don't need to doubt who wrote the code. God, it points to a creator. Someone said about the the cell, a scientist said, there are cities in this world that are nowhere near as complex in their movements and all that is going on than in a single cell. It's incredible, incredible creation. And the greater the microscopes get to look at these cells, they are still just starting to to get an idea. Uh, One scientist says it's like jumping off a cliff, just seeing the complexity as they learn more and more about cells. And it just points to a great God, the glory of God. And as you look at this new telescope, it's just seeing more and more of the universe and just realising again how great God is. And then this morning, as we continue in in the series, we look at the pinnacle of creation. And the pinnacle of creation is mankind. The pinnacle of all of this, when you look at the purpose, the the detail, the complexity of all of creation, then the pinnacle is you and I, mankind. And it says there in the Scriptures, which we'll look at in in a minute, that we are created in God's image. Amazing. If creation is so great and so complex and there is a, a creator behind it, Would we not ask the question, why do I exist? 
What, what is my place in this whole big universe and world? What is my place in it? Where do I fit in it? When was the last time you asked that question? If I asked you to give an answer, I wonder what it would be. Humanity across the globe is, is answering that question in some way and there is a lot of confusion, a lot of confusion. Uh, in, the, in your small groups, as you connect in small groups, you, you watch um, a little series from Right Now Media and there's a presenter, Arvind Balaram, who shares around this passage. And he shares this story that was in a newspaper article about a hotel and two separate happenings in this hotel at the same time. In one room is this lady who had run away from her family, her husband and kids to be with another man, only to find on this evening that he, he also, or he had deserted her and left her all alone. And before taking her own life in this hotel room, she wrote this. She said, don't cry for me. I'm not even human anymore. That was her view in that moment. And the article goes on to say elsewhere in the hotel, there was this religious group that were chanting and singing, I am God, I am God, I am God, is what they were chanting. And he said, what an incredible difference in understanding of who we are as humans. Muhammad Ali, the famous um, heavyweight boxer, was once on a plane. Uh, he, he is known for saying, I am the greatest. And in, in this plane, on this flight, uh, the plane hit turbulence. And the captain gave the message to all passengers to buckle up as they go through turbulence. And everyone on the plane, except for Muhammad Ali, listened to the captain and buckled up. So the flight attendant goes over to, to Muhammad Ali and says, um, we're going through turbulence, you really need to put on your seatbelt, the captain has asked. And Muhammad Ali said to this flight attendant, uh, Superman don't need no seatbelt, is what he said. And uh, the, the flight attendant quickly replied and said, Superman don't need a plane either. <laughs> I thought, very quick, very quick. If you follow football or soccer, you, you may have heard of Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi. These are two footballers, similar age and stage of careers and nearly all of their career, they've been compared to see who is the greatest soccer player in the world and everyone will have different opinions. But they did an interview together and within this interview, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo was sharing that he believed that God had placed him on the earth to show the world and teach the world how to play soccer or football. Uh, the interviewer heard this and thought, I wonder what uh, Lionel Messi thinks of this and said, um, Lionel, what, what do you, how do you respond to that? And Lionel Messi says, um, I can't remember sending him. <laughs> <laughs> As humans, we find it hard to find our place in the world. 
often having an overinflated opinion of ourselves, thinking that we are omnipotent, we know all things, that we're in control of things. Or the flip side is that we lose any sense of purpose or significance in our lives. And this passage that we look at today speaks of our value and our purpose. But before we jumped in, I wanted to say, before we understand ourselves, we must know that understanding of self is directly connected to our understanding of God. It's not separated. So if we have a poor understanding of God, we will have an overinflated ego, as we've heard, or if we have an improper understanding of God, it'll also lead to a lack of purpose and self-worth. They're connected. And so let's have a look at this passage in Genesis and particularly I want to look at what it means for us to be created in the image of God. Let's have a look at Genesis 1, 25 to 31. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food and to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every plant for food, and it was so. God saw all that he made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. As I said, I want to look at what it means to be created in God's image. And as we read um, this scripture, the first thing we realise is that the value of humanity supersedes anything else in all of creation. It is only mankind that is created in the image of God. That in being created by God, God in his image, every human has intrinsic value and worth that comes from him. It does not matter where you are from. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done or what you haven't done. All humans have an intrinsic worth that is separated from all of these external things because they have been created by God and in his image. And as we look at the Bible, it actually points back to this, the value of humans because we are created in God's image leads us to treat each other in a certain way. In Genesis 9, as God is giving Noah these instructions to say, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, all these animals and fish and birds, they're all yours, but do not eat or do not kill humans. 
Why are we not equal to all of the other animals? He says, whoever sheds human blood by humans shall their blood be shed for in the image of God has God made mankind. He's saying, you know, humans are being created in my image. They're different, they're set apart, they have a value. And in James 3.9 in the New Testament, he says, when he's speaking about the way that we speak to one another and taming the tongue, he says, with the tongue we praise our Lord and our Father and with it we curse human beings and, and his, his point for having value is these human beings have been made in God's likeness. He's like, love one another, respect one another, value one another, treat each other well, speak each other well. Why? Because every human being that you come in contact and I come in contact with has been created in God's image. Now, as I'm speaking here, I'm, I'm, I'm probably aware that this is not mind-blowing for you. The fact that everyone has value, that there's equality in that, might not be a new concept for you. But let me remind you that Within history, and even parts of our culture and around the world, this is not necessarily the view. Often we might trace it to our Western roots, to the Greco-Roman world, but as we looked at a few years ago in Jesus the Game Changer, we realised that within that culture, where the church was born, they did not have equal human rights. There was not equal um, value on human beings. It was a world of slavery. It was a world of poverty. It was a world where abortion and, and the killing of children was okay. It was legal to allow elderly and the sick just to die. There was not this view that everyone had equal value. But into this world, those who followed Jesus and understood that every single person had value because they were created in the image of God, spoke up around abortion. They cared for the poor. They cared for the women. They cared for the elderly. They were the champions of the poor and the weak. From this principle of value of being created in the image of God, they live this out within a, in a countercultural way and change the view that the Western world has on equality and, and dignity because of the image of God. Because all people, no matter of class, race, anything, had value. And it is this central and powerful truth that continues to transform people today. Individuals, families, and societies. I remember when I was working with OM before um, being here at Bridgman, um, OM had a ministry to the Dalit people of South Asia. Now Dalit, the word Dalit means crushed or broken. It means totally smashed. And the Dalit people are the untouchables. They are the outcasts. They must live on the outskirts of a town. They can't share a communal well because they would um, pollute others. If they drink from a cup, 
They actually asked to, to break that cup in case someone would share that and be polluted. Within the society, they're actually seen as less valuable than animals. They can have no connection with others, no social opportunity, no economic rights. Because of a belief of karma that was something in their past life that meant they were born in that um, place within the caste system. And young people for generations and generations and generations growing up thinking I am less worth than an animal, <laughs> that I have no value. Generation upon generation upon generation, 250 million people. And in the late 1990s, the Dalit leaders came to Christians and said, we want out of this system. Would you stand with us in that? And the Christians said, well, what would we do? And the Dalit said, they said, we want you to educate our children with a different worldview, with a Christian worldview, one that tells them that we are all equal, one that tells them that we are created in the image of God and that every child has worth. And the Dalit Freedom Network and many other organisations rally behind this, setting up many, many schools, hundreds and, and thousands of young people educated, knowing that they had value because they are created in the image of God. Unbelievable, it's, it's so foreign to us, isn't it? But this is not just a common um, thread of truth throughout um, society or, or the world. And into that world comes the truth of value in the image of God and people are set free. One Dalit girl said, now I have no concept of being an untouchable because you have told us that we are equal. We are made in the image of God. But this is not just, as I said, an issue in South Asia. This is also um, in all cultures where God is taken out of the picture. As I said earlier, it's intrinsically connected to our understanding of God and as our own society has taken God out of the picture, it has impacted our society. Tim Keller shared this story of one of his friends, Christian friends, who was a, a doctor in training in a hospital. And he was doing a ward round with his supervising doctor. And they were talking about a patient that was depressed. And this Christian um, junior doctor said to his supervisor, said, well, actually we can do a lot for this lady quite apart from medicine, just in sharing the reality that she has worth. That she's a worthwhile human being, that she has dignity as a human being, that her life is valuable. And surprisingly, the, 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 the supervising doctor said, how do you know that? said, as humans, we are more scientifically complex, but there is no basis that we have any more rights and dignity or value, is what he answered. And Tim Keller said, well, that is the fruit of a scientific argument that takes God out of the picture, that there is no basis for the value of human life. 
Bertrand Russell, an influential philosopher said, we are simply the product of causes that had no prevision of the end they were achieving. The hopes and fears and loves and beliefs of our minds are just the outcome of accidental co collection of atoms. Wendell Holmes Jr. Said, Jr. said, scientifically I see no reason for attributing a man a significant difference in kind from which belongs to a baboon or a grain of sand. When God is out of the picture, when we are an accidental collection of atoms, there is no value for human life. G.K. Chesterton pointed out the folly of this secular worldview when he said, as a politician, the secular person will cry out that all war is a waste of life. And then as a, philosoph a philosopher, admit that all life is a waste of time. The secular person goes first to a political meeting where he complains that the natives are treated like beasts, no value, oh sorry, they should have value. Then he goes to a scientific meeting where he proves that all human beings are beasts. There is no foundation of value for the human. But I wanna say here today that the Bible says that you and all humanity is created in the image of God. You are valuable. You are loved by God. You are not an accident. You have been beautifully and uniquely and purposefully created. And it doesn't matter what you have done, doesn't matter what you will do, it doesn't matter how rich you are, it doesn't matter where you were born, you have valuable because you were created in His image. And this is the truth our culture needs to hear. I was so encouraged last week when RI teachers were being trained to go into our schools to share the simple message that they are loved by God that there is a creator God, that they are not cosmic accidents. And there is value in their lives. And as I said, if we disconnect from what God says about us, our value will be spoken in to by our culture. In South Asia, it's a Hindu system that will speak in to say, you know, this is how you, got, you get capacity or value if you're born in this certain caste system. But for us, there are messages telling you and I and our culture day by day, you are only valuable if your bank account is like this. You are only valuable if you hold this position. You are only valuable if people speak about you in a certain way or hold you in this regard. That your value is connected with, with your relationships. All of these things are saying, this is where you, you source value. But greater than all of that is the fact that you hold value because you were created in the image of God. And it is not just, as we, we push God to the side, it is not just the value of humanity or of a human life that it costs, as a culture, we will have a crisis of purpose. 
do we not have a, a crisis of purpose in our culture? And here in this passage, in being created in the image of God, we see our purpose. Why do you exist? Well, the fact that you are created in the image of God will speak of that. What does an image do? If you see an image, it portrays. An image displays, it, it speaks of something or someone, it portrays or displays them. We see it on billboards or advertisements. In 2007, I had the opportunity to travel through Libya. And this was when Colonel Gaddafi was the leader of Libya. And um, you would not go far around Libya before you would see an image of Gaddafi. He would have images on billboards, he would have images on buildings, he would have images on stadiums, there would be images of Gaddafi everywhere. What was that doing? Well, it was pointing to him. It was reminding people of him, speaking to them of his greatness, his power, his authority. He was telling through this image who he was. This is what an image does. And if we go back to even biblical times, outside of Israel, the nations had kings who took this a step further to say that we are God. And they would create images and idols to say, well, this is who I am. You worship through this image. This is um, how worship happens. I am God. They would make images. If you went to a temple to worship, it would have an image or an idol of the, the God that you were worshiping. But this was not the way of God's people, was it? In Exodus, we read, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven, above or, the, above or on the earth, beneath or in the waters below. God could not be contained in an image. More than that, God already had his image bearers. They didn't need to make another image because they were the image. Don't make idols. You are the image of God. You display my character. You, you tell of who I am. That is the job of an image bearer. That is our purpose, to, to glorify or show something of God's character. John Piper puts it this way. He says, humankind was created to be a graphic image of the creator, a formed, visible and understandable representation of who God is and what he is like. So often in life, if I think of my purpose, I think of what I will do. If I think about what is the will of God for my life, I will think, well, what will I do? I think maybe naturally we do that. But it's all about the doing. Here in this passage, we see it is not so much, the purpose of your life is not so much about what you will do. The purpose of your life is who God wants you to be. Let me explain, it's not so much about doing, it's about being. God wants you to be his image bearer. 
Often we will seek God and we'll say, well, should I be a teacher or a policeman? And that is important, but what I'm saying is it comes secondary to the fact of what type or who are you gonna be as a teacher or who are you gonna be as a policeman? Be a teacher, be a policeman, but wherever you are, display God's image. Display God's character. Be a loving policeman. Be a gracious teacher. Be an encouraging policeman. Be a servant teacher. It's not so much about what you will do, it's about who you will be. That is what God is interested in. That we would bear His image. That as people would see us, they would see something of God. That is what God is interested in. That's what God is doing in our lives to to change us, to be who He's created us to be. And I think as we see that, it is incredibly freeing, isn't it? It doesn't matter whether you go to work in your business, whether you go to be a mum or a dad or a teacher or a grandparent this week, that's secondary to your first role in showing God's character in that place. And we can ask ourselves the question, In my life's calling of showing God's character, how can I best display God's character in my life? How can I best display God's character to my family, in my workplace, in my neighbourhood? How can I display, be an image of Him here on earth? How can I display God's grace this week, this day? How can I show God's patience this week? How can I show God's faithfulness, His holiness? How can I show God's compassion? How can I show God's mercy? This is the call on our lives, to show His character, to be His image bearers. Now, like me, you probably hear that and think that, and think, well, I am a broken, I am a broken image. Um, I mean, you might see something of God in me, but you might see a lot of Andrew, <laughs> and you might see a lot of myself as well. We're, we're, we are broken image bearers, aren't we? We would all admit that. I mean, we are far from perfect. God is perfect. We are, are broken image bearers. And as we look in this series, we'll go on to look at, at the impact of sin. I won't spend a lot of time here, but sin has impacted our ability to show God's character. But the best news about being created in God's image and where we can look to this happening is the one who was the perfect image bearer. You and I have been created in the image of God. Jesus Christ was the image of the invisible God. Jesus Christ was the perfect image bearer. He he was not a broken image. Jesus, when um, the disciple Philip said to him, show us the Father, Jesus said to him, he said, anyone who sees me has seen the Father. 
What is he saying? He's saying, if you wanna know who God is, you, you look at me, you look at my character, you look at the way I live, the way I speak, you see me and you see God. And he was and is the perfect image bearer of God. And just to conclude here today, I wanna bring all of this together in a little passage in 2 Corinthians to see what it looks like in my life and in yours. In 2 Corinthians 3, 15 to 18, Paul writes this. He says, even to this day when Moses is read, the Old Testament, the law, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, this veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces, and the word there is contemplate, or other translations will say, see and reflect the Lord's glory. And we are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So let me just bring a few points out of this, practically what it looks like in our lives. He's saying, when the law was read, when, when people hadn't seen Jesus or understood Jesus, or in verse 16 it says, when people hadn't turned to Jesus, there was like this veil covering their eyes. They couldn't see God. I said to Peter during this week, one of my greatest regrets of doing human movements at uni is that I wasn't a Christian, I was blinded. I did biochemistry and biology and anatomy and all of these things and I couldn't see the glory of God in it. I, w I was veiled. But this says, and this is my experience, when, when someone turns to Jesus, the veil is taken away. That they can see and reflect God's glory is what this passage says. There, there's this, like a mask, something comes away from the eyes that they may see God's glory as they come to Jesus. And what happens in that? What happens to their image or who they are? It says that we are being transformed into his image. Do you see that? As, as we see God, as we see his glory, as we behold it, we are then being changed to be more and more like Jesus. If you had have seen me the, the day after I gave my life to Jesus, I don't think you would have seen too much of God in my life. But praise God, I'm far from perfect, but I hope and pray that you would see a lot more of God's character in my life now than when you would have then. And this is the process, this is the way God works that as we come to Jesus, as we receive him and as his Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us, he renovates our life to make us more and more like Jesus. Why? So the people in your family can see something of God. So your neighbours can see something of God. That as they see us, that as we uh, experience his love and his grace, as we see him, then they can see us as an image bearer of a living God. I wanted to, to give a bit of an illustration here, a visual illustration for you here, but it was too late to get it all together. 
I'll just ask the band to come up too, but I would have loved to have a massive mirror here, the size of a dining room table or something, and put it at 45 degrees here. Because your, your primary calling in life is to reflect God's glory. So the process is that as we see God, as I see that I'm unconditionally loved by God, as I see that He is so gracious, as I see the life of Jesus that rather than condemn people in sin, that He gives grace and forgives, as I receive that myself and am changed by that, I then reflect that to those around me. As I see that God is in control, that He is sovereign in this world and over my life, reigning above it all, and He loves me, there is a peace that comes from that. And as that peace is in my heart and as it is reflected to those around me, they see something of God. That as we behold the, the glory of God, as we look at Him, as we open the Bible and we see who He is, we are changed by Him. And the world sees Him and He comes and restores us to give us fullness of life. This is the good news of Jesus. This is the best. That we have a God that doesn't just create us, a God that gives us an extraordinary purpose and a God that changes us by His Holy Spirit to allow us to fulfil that purpose. Is that not the best calling we could ever ask for? It is incredible. And may God help us behold the living God. May we be captured by who He is, that those around us would know that they are loved and they are valuable. That the Dalits of this world, that the downtrodden in this world, that our neighbours, the young people, whoever it is that are told that they're just cosmic accidents, will know that no, there is a living God that has loved them, created them in His image. Would you pray with me? Actually, this morning as you, you've heard me, maybe for the first time you've had a sense that God is real that God has created you, God has a purpose for you. You sense God speaking into your heart. He wants to open your eyes. He wants to open your eyes this morning that you might behold the glory of the living God. Whether you're online listening or here in the auditorium, if that's you this morning, I just ask you to just pray even with me now, just in your own heart. God, thank you for loving me. Thank you, God, that I'm created in your image. Thank you, God, that I have value, dignity, significance in this life, not because what this world tells me, not because of what I might do or achieve, but because I am loved by the living God. Forgive me, God, 
for taking hold of my life and going my own way. Forgive me, God, of trying to make sense of life without you. God, I, I turn to you now. I ask for your forgiveness. I ask for your grace. Thank you, Jesus, that you wash me of all of my sin. Thank you that you don't love me because I've got it all together or because of what I have or haven't done. You just love me because you love me because you love me. And God, take my life and glorify yourself. Show yourself through it, I pray. Change me day by day to be more and more like Jesus. I need your help in that, God. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that comes and lives within to restore, to renovate my life. You're amazing, God. You're amazing. And Lord, we just worship you here. You're the God who put the stars into space. You're the God who designed the complexity of a cell. And yet that you're the God who loves us. You're the God who would come and die on a cross for us. Lord, you are worthy of our worship. You're worthy of all of our life. And Lord, we, we all pray here, God, that you would use us as your image bearers in this world. That Lord, as people interact with us, they would see something of your character. That you would continually show yourself in and through us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God is incredible. He really is. There is no greater calling in our life to know Him and make Him known. And He is worthy of our worship, people. I just think He's worthy of our worship. And now I just wanna encourage us to stand and to just worship Him for who He is. Would we we'd do that? We'll just stand and worship together now as we continue just to thank Him for who He is and all that He's done. Glory to
want to say this morning as we leave, if you've come this morning and maybe you came feeling that your life had no meaning, no value, no worth, you had some of these thoughts going around in your mind or you're watching online this morning and you felt like that, I want you to hear God's Word this morning. God loves you, that you're created in His image, that your life has incredible value and worth, that, he, that He's with you and He's for you. And that can transform everything for you. If this morning you're sensing that God's speaking to you for the first time, as Andrew said, we'd love to help you on your journey. Give you a Bible gift pack. If you're online, email through. We'd love to give that to you. Our Alpha course starting. This is the best news in all the world. And I want to pray a blessing over us right now. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that no matter what others have spoken over our lives, Lord, your truth, your word trumps all, great God. And this is truth this morning, that you love us you knit us together. No matter what people have spoken over our lives, Lord, we can grab hold of this truth, stand on this truth, that we are loved, that we are valued, creating your image, every person, great God. And so bless, I pray, bless the groups as I'll be meeting this week. As we look at your word together, Lord, we're praying and seeking you and praying that you'll help us to continue to reflect the image of your great love to our whole world, we pray. We ask this in Jesus' name. Everyone said... Amen. Please be seated if you'd like prayer. Our prayer team will be down the front here. Our prayer lounge. Don't forget, welcome morning tea if you're new, just across the courtyard. Um, you're so welcome to have you there. And don't forget, selfie Sunday as well. Grab a photo for your family and to help us to get to know you as well. God bless.